There are a lot of ways people describe Tony Preckwinkle, progressive pioneer, prickly county board president, party boss. But Shirley Newsom says there's a lot people don't know. Tony's from Minnesota and she loves to fish. And so if she gets an opportunity to get away, she's going to go to Minnesota or someplace like that where she can fish. Uh, And to me, a person who can fish is actually a person of great patience. And while people don't necessarily uh, equate Tony with patience, she is very, very patient. Newsom first met Preckwinkle back in the early 80s. She lives in the South Side ward Preckwinkle represented as alderman. And besides patient, Newsom says Preckwinkle is extraordinarily practical. She's not what I refer to as a fashionista. Never have been, never will be. And no matter what we do to try to get her out of those four or five suits, she's going to be in those four or five suits. And they're not fancy suits. They're just what you would consider to be a business suit because that's her. She's business. And people laugh because uh, they think it's because she's tall that she wears flat shoes most of the time or a very tiny, tiny heel if we can get her into it. And it's not that she uh, uh, is overly conscious of her height. She walks everywhere. Hi, everybody. This is On Background, the WBEZ politics podcast. I'm Becky Vivi. In this episode, as Tony Preckwinkle competes against former prosecutor Lori Lightfoot for the city's top job, we wanted to dig beyond the sound bites to help you better understand who these two women are. In this episode, we dive into some of the pivotal moments that have shaped who Tony Preckwinkle is today and who she might be as mayor. First, some biographical bullet points. Preckwinkle was born in St. Paul, Minnesota on St. Patrick's Day in 1947. She was raised in a predominantly white neighborhood there. In 1965, she moved here to attend the University of Chicago. She graduated four years later, got married, started working as a teacher, and settled down in integrated Hyde Park. That's when she met Rebecca Janowitz, another young mother in the neighborhood. Together, they served on the board of a Section 8 housing complex for people with disabilities. She and I had a very different take on Hyde Park. Um, I thought that the, the people, particularly the women who had fought in the 50s to have an integrated neighborhood, had done a great thing. And she felt that those people had just decided to save one neighborhood and, she always said, drew a line in the sand and didn't care what happened beyond that. That line in the sand was 47th Street. At the time, Chicago's Fourth Ward encompassed well-off Hyde Park to the south and the nearly all-black, struggling neighborhoods of North Kenwood and Oakland to the north. The ward was a microcosm of what people still talk about today, a tale of two cities, the haves and the have-nots. Preckwinkle wanted to change that. So in 1983, she ran against the longtime incumbent alderman Timothy Evans, Friend and fellow Hyde Parker Bill Gerstein says Preckwinkle was hoping to get the support of Harold Washington, who was in the middle of his own historic election. But Harold, if I recall, um, ended up not endorsing either one of them. And in a way, that was a victory for Tony. uh, But um, I think she had hoped that Harold would support her. So she got close, but lost. But 
you know, she hung in there. Washington, of course, became the city's first black mayor. This history has been coming up on the horizon. It's been talked about in our streets and homes. But there's nothing like victory to make an old track man like me glad that he dared to enter this race. And Evans, the guy Preckwinkle challenged, went on to be Washington's floor leader in the council. But that didn't stop Preckwinkle from running against him again in 1987. Tim and Harold had developed a good relationship, and, and I think Harold didn't really want Tony to run. Um, but Tony ran anyway because she thought she was the best candidate. So Tony's a little stubborn, and, you know, she believes in what she believes in. And she wasn't going to let anybody, even Harold Washington, who I think she liked and respected, tell her she couldn't run. And she lost again. But remember that whole patience thing? In 1991, she tried yet again. Here's close friend Janowitz. I, I do remember vividly when she was going to run for the third time, a, a, political, a politician I won't embarrass by mentioning his name now said to me, you're a friend of, of Tony Preckwinkle's, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, you've got to talk her out of running again. You know, she's, she's going to get a name for herself for all of this running and never winning. And she's working at the city. And uh, she's never going to get promoted if she keeps running for Alderman. It's such a bad idea. And I said, well, that's not an issue I could change her mind about. So she, she ran again, and she very narrowly won. And there was a long court fight over it. In the end, Preckwinkle beat Evans by 109 votes. Three times was the charm for community activist Tony Preckwinkle. And the letter in which they, which from the, when the, when it was ruled that she had actually finally won, hung on her office wall always. On the campaign trail today, Preckwinkle talks about her three attempts to, quote, beat the machine. But that scrappy outsider image is not what defines her. Today, she's in control of that same machine, or at least what's left of it, now that she's the chair of the Cook County Democratic Party. Once Preckwinkle was elected alderman back in 91, she set out to change that tale of two cities she saw in the Fourth Ward. And housing became the cornerstone issue. Recently, somebody asked me, well, what was Tony's record on housing? And I just thought, how could people not remember? Janowitz worked in the ward office for Preckwinkle at the time. But Shirley Newsom got involved as a homeowner. She had bought a home north of 47th Street before Preckwinkle became alderman. So she was thrilled to finally have an alderman pay closer attention. This stretch of uh, the lakefront was uh, just totally neglected. Newsom says Preckwinkle worked with everyone from public housing residents to city planners to activists and developers. It was not easy, and it took more than a decade. But Preckwinkle, she says, quite literally got people to the table. I don't care if it was this much room left. You had to try to move around so that these people could squeeze in and everybody could be at the table because she read faces and, and body language, yes. And so she could tell their reaction from the way they reacted. And so everybody had to be at the table, and she has this thing about eye contact, and that's why a lot of times you see she does this. She's looking right in your eyes, because that's the soul of a person. 
In Chicago, aldermen have a great deal of say over what gets built in their neighborhoods. To some extent, that power, commonly called aldermanic prerogative, let Preckwinkle make a lot of changes in her ward. And today, she defends the practice. Critics, though, attack it as a tool that lets developers manipulate politicians, or vice versa. It is a door to corruption. And in a city known for under-the-table bribes and favors traded for campaign cash, Janowitz remembers they mostly navigated City Hall with the help of a very quintessential Chicago treat. Well, every Christmas, uh, we would go to the basement of Marshall Fields and fill big shopping bags with Frango mints and go out and Tony would, I would follow her around as she gave Frango mints out to um, anybody that might put a phone call through or be of any help whatsoever to anything. We were not the kind of people that gave people money. We did not do any of that kind of stuff and we knew plenty of people who did. We knew about it, everybody knew about it, but we did get Frango mints. But all the Frango mints in the world didn't change Preckwinkle's status on the council. I remember when I still worked for Tony, the head of the housing committee and city council either died or went to prison. And so I said, oh, great, Tony will chair the housing committee. And everyone looked at me and said, no, she won't. I said, she does more. We've done every kind of housing. Who has done brand new market rate housing and affordable housing and blown up public housing. Who's done that kind of thing? I said, nobody has done what is going on in this ward. They said, she's not going to be. And they chose some schlubnik, you know, who was there until I think the schlubnik did get indicted. And then they put in somebody else. And, you know, Tony couldn't be chair of a, of a committee. She's never been in that position with the mayor. You know, she was she was never the establishment. We were never the establishment. We were the, the crazed outliers, always. Take, for instance, when city council voted in 2008 to lease Chicago's parking meters to a private company for 75 years. It's a deal now seen as one of the city's worst financial decisions ever. Alderman Preckwinkle. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. President. Uh, when I got the call on, on Monday that there were going to be special briefings on, on Tuesday about a matter that we would act on on Thursday, I decided that um, I couldn't support it. Preckwinkle was one of just five no votes. And the day of that vote, the Minnesotan in her came out. I mean, I feel like we're getting to the point where we're selling our seed corn, and I don't like it. It wasn't just the parking meter deal, though. The high-water mark for Tony on anything that she introduced in city council And she was always introducing affordable housing, living wages, all those kinds of things. She could get nine votes. That was the most votes she ever got for anything. And apparently that was the the ceiling for reform in Chicago. Out of 50 aldermen, you could get nine votes. Janowitz says she thinks that being one of few independent aldermen eventually got tiring. You can talk to people to your blue in the face about the fine stand you took for affordable housing. But if nobody has replaced their trash can, they deeply don't care. This election in 2019 is all about reform and change, out with the old and in with the new. And here's a woman, Tony Preckwinkle, who spent two decades as an outsider, the Independent, one of the original Progressive Caucus members, which is the caucus that often goes against the mayor. After 30 years of patience and stubborn commitment to core issues that really haven't changed much, 
She's ironically now become the symbol of the old, the establishment candidate, the party boss, all the things she once fought against. That caricature of Preckwinkle is something that troubles her friends and allies. But there is a reason for it. In 2008, Preckwinkle declared a run for a different elected office, president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners. I think going to the county, oddly enough, it was like Paul Douglas going to the Senate. It meant you could start doing stuff. She was able to take on some much larger systemic issues than she'd ever been able to do in the ward. Janowitz, who also went on to work at the county, remembers when Preckwinkle wanted to reform bond court. She had been bothered by the scores of mostly poor black people sitting in the jail she now controlled, awaiting trial. By then, Preckwinkle had made a lot of friends in Chicago's political establishment. So she reached out to Illinois Supreme Court Justice Ann Burke. The next morning, I got a phone call from my old friend Mike Morrissey, who's over the public defenders who appear in bond court. And he said, Rebecca, what the hell's going on with you people? He said, Justice Burke was here at 7.30 this morning, unannounced. She showed up at the jail, demanding to be taken with the prisoners over to the bond court. She wanted to see how they were being transported into bond court. Ann Burke is the wife of Alderman Ed Burke, who's facing federal charges for attempting to shake down the owners of a Burger King franchise in his ward. A fundraiser held for Preckwinkle at the Burke's home is even mentioned in the complaint. And her ties to Burke have become a huge focus of the mayor's race. So we're all supposed to now run around pretending we never met anybody called Burke. Because after four million years, they finally indicted Burke for doing a bunch of things that I'm pretty sure everybody pretty much knew he'd been doing for a very long time. The Burks aside, Preckwinkle's recent record at the county is also fodder for her critics in the mayor's race. She defended former Cook County Assessor Joe Berrios, who got voted out of office for perpetuating a system that allows the rich to pay less in property taxes, while the poor and middle class pay more. And then there's the dreaded pop tax. And a new soda tax goes into play in Chicago today. It will collect 12 cents per can of soda and 70, uh, excuse me, 67 cents per two-liter bottle. People hated the penny per ounce tax. And the Beverage Association and business community led a well-funded pushback. Eventually, Preckwinkle lost the fight, and the county board repealed the measure. The sweetened beverage tax is no more in Cook County. Yeah, the controversial tax went away for good overnight. Again, friend and Hyde Park resident Bill Gerstein. She got branded Queen Sugar, and people still talk about that. But I think she did what she had. I mean, and I was in the grocery business. I sold soda pop. Now, it's it's not a high um, profit item. I was totally in favor of it, but she lost it, and she got defined by her opposition. These days, many Chicagoans may know of Preckwinkle mainly because of that dreaded soda tax. They hear about her connections to the Burks and her role as party boss. They might not know how Preckwinkle patiently maneuvered her way to the top. And now her status as the establishment might be her biggest obstacle. Preckwinkle's political career is long. 
But she says it all started when she was just 16 in Minnesota, volunteering during a race much like the one she's in today in terms of its history-making potential. I got involved in a political campaign for the first African-American woman to run for city council in St. Paul, Minnesota, and that was Katie McWatt. McWatt ultimately lost that race and failed again when she ran for the Minnesota state legislature. But according to her obituary on Minnesota Public Radio, she became a fixture in the fight for civil rights in the Twin Cities and, quote, helped break the glass ceiling for African-Americans in St. Paul. For Tony Preckwinkle, her political life may be coming full circle. Regardless of the outcome on April 2nd, there's a glass ceiling about to shatter in Chicago, too. That's all for today. This episode was reported by me, Becky Vivi, and edited by Kate Cahan with help from Linda Lutton, Kate McGee, and Maria Zamudio. Our producer is James Edwards. Please also check out our episode on Preckwinkle's opponent, Lori Lightfoot. It should be the very next one in your feed. We'll be live on election night, April 2nd. That's next Tuesday. Tune in to 91.5 FM or listen on the live stream at WBEZ.org. You can rate, review, subscribe, and download the On Background podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow all of WBEZ's political coverage at wbez.org politics and always on air at 91.5 FM. 